principle tonight, but we're going to deal with biblical stewardship. Biblical stewardship. I believe uh, it's extremely important for us in the kingdom of God to be good stewards of the things that God gives us. Amen. And we're going to show you in the scripture where I believe God's going to hold us accountable for those things. Literally hold us accountable for those things. So what does this phrase mean to you when I say biblical stewardship? What does that mean to you when I say biblical stewardship? What do you think about when I say that? Anybody? Brother Walker. Yep. What else? Well, here's, here's what a lots of people go today. We associate the idea of stewardship with our finances and budgets and building programs. And we've got to be good stewards because we've got to raise money to build a building and it's finances and all those things. And so oftentimes, we as Christians, we automatically focus on the dollar bill or the finances when we start talking about stewardship. But there's a lots more to be considered besides just your money and stewardship. I want you to make a list of things that you consider your possessions on the lines that I have provided. If you've got a pen, you can write those down there. Just start writing down what you say are your possessions. I made some lines there on your handout so you can write those down. If you don't have a pen, you may want to make a mental note. But your possessions, things that are yours that you actually you consider you own. We're going to take a moment here and let you make a little list of things. Give me your cars, your clothes, whatever it may be. Some people will have long lists and some people will have only use one line. So, some of us will say the bank owns that, the bank owns that, the bank owns that. <laughs> but Just a couple more seconds. I know some of you don't try to list all how many shoes, pairs of shoes you have. Or all the groceries in your refrigerator or anything. It could take a while here. Give you about one more minute.
some of you may be still writing, writing down your possessions, but for time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and move on. I want you to now, you've got your list of things that you have written down as your possessions there. Now I'd like for you to look at a verse of scripture here. It says, a psalm of David, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, Psalm 24 and 1. There's another version of that that I would like for you to look at. Here's the next one. A Psalm of David. The earth and everything it contains are the Lord's. The world and all who live in it are His. Now then, I want you to ask you a question. What items on your list of possessions are not on this earth or a part of this earth? all the things, look at your list, look at your list. Now, the verse says, the earth and everything, everybody say everything. Everything it contains are the Lord's. The world and all who live in it. Is there anybody here that's living outside of this world? I know some of us think that there are people that are aliens, but <laughs> it's not really truth. They are His. So again, the question is, what items on your list of possessions are not on this earth or a part of this earth? Anybody want to give me an answer? None. Everything on that list is on this earth and a part of this earth. Everybody in this room is a part of this world and living here on this world. Uh-oh. A psalm of David, the earth and everything it contains are the Lord's. The world and all who live in it are His. That means God owns everything. David said, everything on this earth and everything contained in this earth are his. They're the Lord's. I want you to get this, let this soak in for just a moment because this is really the foundation of biblical stewardship. Because we have a distorted view and we want to say, this is God's and this is is mine. And since this is mine, I can do whatever I want to with mine, and he has no rights to tell me what I can do with mine. Let it sink in. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Genesis 2 and 15. To dress it and to keep it. Dress means to work. Dirty four-letter word for some of you there. Work. That word dress simply means go look at, when you look up the definition, it right beside it says work. You may not want to look at that word. Work. The other one is keep, which means to hedge about, that is guard, generally to protect, attend to. 
God had two things. Number one is he wanted him to work and he wanted him also to keep what was there. Ready? The term keep it used by God didn't refer to monetary items, folks. Ready? I can't find in Scripture where God gave Adam the deed to the Garden of Eden. Can you show me where he had the deed to the Garden of Eden? God made it. God put them in it. But it was still God's the whole time. All they were supposed to do is work and they were to keep what was his. Here's a point. But God revealed his ownership of the Garden of Eden by evicting Adam and Eve. He could not have evicted them from their garden if they owned their garden. That was God's garden and since God owned it, God could say who stays and who goes. So when God said... Hasta la vista, you're out of here. Guess what? They had to go because he owns the Garden of Eden. It's important you get these principles down because we think that God does everything for us and it's everything we have is ours. And when God gives me something, it's mine. And that's where we get in trouble right there. Because of our mentality and thinking that's mine. God owns everything we and we are simply overseers or managers acting on his behalf. He owns everything. Did we not read what? Look at your possessions. Look at what you said are your possessions and tell me one of those that are not on this earth, part of this earth, or in this world. Everything is. Psalm said he owns all of that stuff. That means he owns that. It's his, folks. Get your mind around this. It's important. And I'm jumping way ahead into our next, our next lesson, but that's the reason why people have problems with tithe. Because they look at it and say, that money is mine. Instead of viewing everything I have is God's, then it's simple to say, thank you, God, for letting me have 90%, <laughs> and I am happy to give you back your 10% that you gave to me and trusted me with as a good steward. And we're going to get into that later because my main focus is not, is not finances, but it's just to prove my point. And so people hold on to it thinking it's theirs, and it's not yours. We're going to deal with a couple verses here. Stuart means, means to one to whose care is committed to management of a household, one who acts as a supervisor of finances or property for another. Finances, property, everything. Possessions, Stuart. Stewardship shows obedience regarding the administration of everything God has placed under our control. Shows obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Where's obedience? See, he's given us his outline 
on how he wants us to take care of what he has given to us in this book. And then good stewardship is when we obey the outlines that have been established in this book in regards to his possessions. Because they're not your possessions. They're God's possessions. Do you want to be a good steward? Some of you are going, I'm not for sure now about this whole thing. <laughs> Again, shows obedience regarding the administration of everything God has placed under your control. You ready? God will not give you more to oversee until you can learn obedience in what he's already given you. If you are not obeying this and what he's already given you, he's not going to give you more. Why should he? Would you go to somebody if you were the owner of a company and they're not doing their job and say, I want to give you more work to do? You try to find somebody else to get that work over to so it can be done. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's a dirty two words we're using now. Has anybody heard any, ever heard this phrase here? Our rights? Every day in the news. I have a right. Our rights. My right. It's right. Everybody. Our rights. Our rights. Our rights. Everybody's crying for their rights. Uh-huh. Stewardship is recognizing God's ownership in all things, including us, and acknowledging that we do not have the right to control our property or ourselves. Some of you didn't shout amen because you're saying, uh-uh, that's too much right there. See, our rights. Mm -hmm. Who is God think he is to tell me I have to dress a certain way? Because this body is mine and I have my rights. And sometimes we don't say it, but we think it. This is good teaching. I'm just letting it sink in a little bit. Recognizing God's ownership and all things, including us, and acknowledging that we do not have the right to control our property or ourselves. That's the reason why you find in the book of Acts that all of a sudden God began to impress them to sell their house and bring the stuff and give it. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just showing you what was in the New Testament. And they felt impressed about it, sold it, and brought the money, what, for the father. God impressed them to do that, and they realized this is not mine. This is God's. So I'm going to give it so the work of God can go forward. Oh, boy, I better move on. God owns everything. We're responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. God owns everything. We're responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. Amen. Includes our body. That's why we don't do drugs. Because I'm not my own. That's the reason why I don't do other things. Alcohol and these other things too. Why? Because I'm going to be careful of God's possession. Because I am His. Amen. It's good stuff, folks. Look at this. Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. <laughs> Woo, that's powerful right there. He has rights. 
He has the right to do anything he wants to do with his property. We have responsibilities in regards to his properties and possessions. Amen, church. That's the reason you need to get this around, your mind around this. That's the reason when God takes something from you, you need to say he has a right to take whatever he wants to because it's already his. If he wants to burn down my house, then God, help me and give me strength to accept your right to do what you want to do. Amen. If he allows cancer to come into our bodies and we die, hey, this is not mine. It's him. His. He has a right to do what he wants to with us, folks. Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give him their portion of meat in due season? Oh, my. Look at that. Who then is that faithful and wise qualifications for him to turn over the goods to the people was they were a good steward. He says, I'm going to give you what? I'm going to give you and put you a ruler over my household. What's the qualification? You're a good steward. And you're faithful. <laughs> Do you wonder why sometimes God doesn't advance us more? Do you wonder why sometimes God doesn't move us a little further into things? Could it be we're not being good stewards with what he's already given us? I'm going to show you a verse in a minute. It blew my mind when I saw this because I totally did not understand the word. In just a moment, blesses is that servant who, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. He's going to find him working. Now, I know some of you are not wanting to hear that, but work is a good thing. Probably right now in Tennessee, my dad's probably jumping up and down inside of his casket right now, hearing me preach this message, if he's hearing it. Because work was something he loved to do, I thought. <laughs> Seemed like it. My wife and I was just blessed. We were there last week. We went by and visited his, uh, his tombstone there, and sure enough, right there on it, they, it's still there, it says... Another little job. So right there on his tomb, another little job. That's what we put on his tombstone because <laughs> he always had just one more little job to do. Anybody who's been here very long remember that from my dad. But look at this. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. What? Being a good steward. It's mine! <laughs> I worked for it. I earned it. You have no right. It's mine. That's the first word I think kids learn. And you don't even have to teach them. You don't have to go around and say, how many parents go around and say, mine, 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 mine? We don't. But the first word the kid wants to say is, mine, mine, mine. Is there any parents that can witness to that? Mine. And then we, as we get older, we start changing into this. I worked for it. It's mine. <laughs> I earned it. It's mine. Get your stinking hands off of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we are. Selfish. 
and thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. Why? I earned it. I worked for it. It's mine. Uh-oh. Look at this. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Folks, you can't do anything without God. God gives you everything. Look at what he says. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Oh no, I earned this. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Your raise, he owns. The business you work for, he owns. He can take and put it up and he can put it down because he owns it. He can do anything he wants to. He can do anything. He can take a nation, cause it to excel or cause it to crash because he owns every nation. It says the heart of the king is in the hand of our Lord. Man, even the very ruler is submitted unto our God. You're saying, what does this have about stewardship? It's everything to do with stewardship, folks. We are stewards of our time, talent, ability, and finances, folks. Every bit of it. Time, our talents, our abilities, our finances, every bit of it. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. My Lord, God has been good to us. Everything you have is because of the blessings and the mercy and grace of God to you. You deserve nothing. Let me put it another way. You don't have any rights to anything you have. He gave it to you. It's only amazing grace. If you got what you deserve, you'd be if you were alive, you'd be living under a bridge. God is great and greatly to be praised. He's good in everything he does, folks. Amen. Here we go. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not? You don't possess it. It's not yours. You're not, not your own or you're not the owner. You're not the owner of even your body. Woo. Even our body belongs to God. God made man from the dust of the earth. How did God become owner of, of my body? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You are bought, bought, purchased. But get this, he doubly owns you. He doubly owns you. You know why? God has the right of ownership by creation and by regeneration. Amen. He owns everybody. That's what he was saying in Psalm. Everybody on the earth he owns because of creation. Everybody's here because he made them. 
He created all of them. But then we're at the next level. Second, what? Regeneration. He purchased us, bought us, and paid for a price for us. He doubly owns you folks. See, you have no ownership right whatsoever of your body. Nobody's running the aisles right there. So when he says, I want you to dress your body a certain way, you need to do it because it's not your body. But, oh, I don't think that looks the best. I would rather have it this way and that way. Who, as owner of property, I don't want any of my tenants to go out and start painting the side of the building because they wanted a different color. They do. I'm going to give them the oh hee ho right in their hinder parts. They're gone. Why? Because they don't own the building. I own the building. So I tell them what color to put on the outside. I tell them all those things. And they better not mess with any of that. Don't you do any major remodeling to that building. What? Unless you ask the... Same applies to us. Woo! This is good. <laughs> he has a right to tell us how we can dress. He has a right to demand of us that we hold a certain standard. Why? Because he's purchased us, double purchased us. Creation shows his ownership. Regeneration shows his ownership. This temple is his. Somebody shout amen. It's good stuff tonight. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Why? Stuart gives an account to the owner. He puts you over something, then you have to give an account to him. You don't have to give an account to somebody who's not the owner because it's none of their business. But if he's the owner, he has a right then to have you be accountable. Give account. It's accountability. He expects accountability out of us in regards to his possessions. And this is one of his possessions. Woohoo! Oh, my Lord, isn't this good stuff? See, you're accountable to God on being at church because you shouldn't have your carcass somewhere else because your carcass belongs to him. And when the doors are open, he wants his people that he owns in his house. It's very plain. And it's not about me. It's about God and his word, folks. And where do you get that? In here. It's right here in this manual. This is the owner's manual right here. He tells us what he needs us to do. And we're going to get into some of the things in this manual. Some of you may not want to come on Wednesday nights. So each of us will have to explain to God, this is another version, to God about the things we do. That's another version. I like that one. Every one of us are going to have to explain to God about the things we do. I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to stand before God and try to explain why I did some of the crazy things I did. So I tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repent <laughs> and get them covered under the blood so I don't even have to tell him about that stuff. Because <laughs> of the covering. We, you remember us talking about that the other day? Uh -huh. The covering of the blood. But you are going to give an account of your life to God. He's going to want to know why you did what you did. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found Do you know God wants to be able to depend on you? How, 
how long would you last at your job if you showed up um, maybe you're supposed to be there five days a week and you showed up three days a week? You'd be unemployed. God wants us to be faithful. Folks, there is no substitute for faithfulness. There is no substitute for faithfulness. Is this all right tonight? Everybody surviving? Well, we're going to get some Bible here in just a moment. Look at some verses here. Stewardship is not a hit and miss proposition. <laughs> well, I'll do good at it for a while, and then and I'm not really going to worry about it more. I'm just going to kind of slack up. It's not a big deal. And, I'm gonna, and then I'm going to really tighten up, and then I'm not going to do this. No, it's not a hit and miss deal. God wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be consistent. Whew, this is good. Consistent in your walk with him because your walk is what? About the stewardship of the things he's given you. Mm. That's what our walk is. Everything he's given us, we are responsible for, folks. Ready? Let's go look at some Bible. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. It's good stuff tonight. I'm enjoying it, even if you're not. It's been good stuff. Matthew 25. I love studying because I love learning myself. I just get an extra benefit to be able to come and teach it on Wednesday nights, but I just love learning it. It's excellent, great stuff. Matthew 25, 14, maybe 14 through maybe uh, 20, if somebody wants to read that. 14 through 20. So we can give a couple of voices, two or three voices. No, it's kind of a long, but most of you read heard this before. Anybody? Go ahead, Desmond. Anybody want to read this 20 through maybe, well, 21 through the rest? Anybody? Not everybody. Anybody? Anybody here? Oh, okay, Brother Walker.
going to have to do a couple lessons to cover lots of this stuff, so we're just going to get just a little bit of it. One part, look at the very first where it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Matthew 25 and 14. Now, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Our God is compared to one who has gone to a far country in this story. So let's put it another way. We are serving an unseen master. And that's what hurts us at times. He, now, he sees us, but we can't see him physically. Now, you say, why is that a problem? Okay, I don't anybody run to the altar and repent. How do you work when your boss is not around versus when your boss is around? When your boss is there looking over your shoulder, are you on your phone texting, playing on the internet, leaning on the shovel, sleeping in your truck, etc., etc.? But if they are standing there, your supervisor stand there, how do you work? <laughs> so this, we serve an unseen master. Now he's an omniscient God knowing all things. And he sees everything. But we can't see them. Okay, ready? Nobody run to the altar. What if tonight in service Jesus had been seated here and had his arms crossed and was why we were doing our worship service was just looking at you I believe some of you would have opened your mouth and sang actually believe some of you would probably even I'm telling you, you're going to go way out there but because the boss look at, raised your hands <laughs> if he if you would have seen him physically sitting on the altar and he's giving you the eye I guarantee you some of you don't come up here and do your little Pentecostal I just won't let, it, I just won't let the boss know I'm really into this thing but it says he's as if he's gone to a far country and we're serving an unseen master and because of that at times psychologically we do not understand he is watching us. You may not see him but it's like your job he has a camera over your desk. <laughs> and some of you that have cameras on the property you're working in front of that camera. Now, you may have the camera up there and get underneath it. <laughs> then get back out here. But as long as you're in the view of that camera, you're going to be giving it 100% because you know the boss can see you on the camera. Come on, everybody can say amen right there because that's human nature right there. 
But that's what hurts us in the church is because he's an unseen master. We at times do not realize he's still watching us. When you come to church, you should be giving it a lot and your best because he is seeing you whether you see him or not. Because there's a big heavenly camera up there and it's not the one we got up there but there's another one that's on higher up. <laughs> and he's watching everything that's going on in this service. We need to be careful that we don't become affected by the fact we're looking and saying, nobody's, look, pastor's not watching right now. And the worship leader's got his eyes closed right now. And Bishop, he's down there and he's not looking either. Perfect time. <laughs> I'm being funny, but it happens to all of us. We are more cautious when the boss is watching. We work harder when the boss is watching. He's standing there beside you. You're going to work like you've never... Man, you're going to work like you're getting $100 an hour. But when he leaves, you, are, you work like you get 99 cents an hour. And you act like you got no cents. Some of you are smiling. Look at this. And unto one he gave... Gave. Everybody say gave. Five talents to another two and to, a, to another one. The master could not give what was not his to give. He gave it because it was his. He could give them whatever he wanted to give them. Ready? The master didn't confer with the servants to determine how many talents each servant should receive. Nowhere in the story do you find out where he went to him and said, well, how, how much uh, would you like to be responsible for there? You know? But I'm going to show you something that he was watching. He was watching. See, the servant had no control or input in the decision. Yet! Everybody say yet. Yet, something interesting in this verse of scripture. To every man according to his several ability. Now this is something that kind of... Uh, what, what do you think this statement means? Anybody? What do you think that statement means? To every man according to his several abilities. Everybody's being silent now. What do you think that means? Because he didn't confer with them, but it does say this is what he used to determine what he was going to give to them. Now this is what's really amazing about this. Didn't know it until I studied this verse of scripture and looked these things up. I was like, no, that can't be. You know what several means? Several actually means pertaining to self, one's own. That's what several means. See, we got several and we're thinking all these and many and all that. No. Go look it up for yourself. That's what I thought. Talking about several, I thought it meant a bunch and a bunch of them. That's not what it means. That Greek word there has nothing to do with a whole bunch. It has to do pertaining to self or one's own. Now get this. What do you think that word ability means? Ability means power, strength power, inherited power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forward. Do you realize the same word right there, ability, it's translated ability there, 72 other times in the New Testament it's, it is translated into the word power? The exact same word, but in this one, they put it in ability. The translators put it into ability. Now then, 
<laughs> this, is, this is beautiful. Look at this. When you put these together, to every man according to his own power. Now watch this. What does that mean? We confuse the word abilities in this verse with capabilities, different capacities, natural abilities, talents, and gifts. But that's not what the master was looking at when he did this. No. And I'll show you in just a moment how it's even more clear in this, in this verse scripture. Abilities. The power they're willing to expend to complete the task. The power they are willing to expend to complete the task. He looked at the power they were willing to expend to complete the task. He looked and said, what kind of effort can I believe them or trust that they are going to put and apply when I give them this for them to do the job? Owns power. Go and look at it. It's, it blew my mind because I was thinking abilities was talking about capabilities and, and our talents and all that things. has nothing to do with it. The word is do miss, which is power. Not talent, power. He looked and he said, what are they going to do? What's effort? Anybody know what effort is? Effort. Go look at the dictionary, which was surprising to me too. I looked at Webster and it says, the exertion of power to accomplish. Exertion of power to accomplish. It's the first definition I've seen when I looked up in Webster's on effort. Exertion of power to accomplish. Effort. What was he looking at? He was looking at him and saying, what kind of effort is this person going to give to make sure that they are good stewards of what I put into their hands? Well, okay, look at this. Here's another confusing word in this text. Talents. A certain weight or sum of money. It's not about talents and abilities and all that thing. That's not what this story's talking about. It's talking about what he was giving them in regards to monies or something that had value and weight, a certain weight. And that's the reason why it's called talents there. Now look at this. He gave the money to the stewards based on the effort that he felt they would expend to increase his money. Not on their personal quote-unquote abilities, but upon how much they willing, how much of an effort they were willing to take what he gave them and make more out of it. How much of their own power are they going to invest in this to make sure I get a return on my money? You don't have to be the most talented person in the world. You don't have to have all the abilities in the world because guess what? Everything you have is His. Every talent, every ability, everything you have, He gave to you. He knows what you have in your toolbox. What He's looking for is effort. Come on, folks. Thou oughtest, look at, look at it, the, the slothful one, look at it. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with users. You know what he's saying with that? You know what you should have done? You should have put forth a little. I didn't ask you for a whole bunch. 
But you made no effort whatsoever to try the least effort you could. Look at it. The least effort you could have done is just went and turned it over to a bank and let me get interest on it. But you didn't even make the or exert any of your own power to go and just do the smallest thing that was there. See, God's not going to judge you according to your abilities, but I believe He's going to judge you according to your efforts. Because everybody in the house has different abilities. The guy who was given two, after he doubled it, he still only had what the first guy started with. So he can't compare himself to him. No way he can compare to what? To the other guy. But I can tell you what he can do. He can give just as much effort. I can work just as hard as the other guy did. I can put just as much into it, invest just as much in it, give just as much effort as any one of these other guys can. You ready? The stewards with the five and the two talents weren't judged by the amount of return but on the effort given. They did their best. And they doubled it because they gave it a good effort and they worked really hard, folks. God isn't expecting you to be the best. He only wants you to do your best. Come on. God isn't expecting you to be the best in the world, the most talented one in the world. Do this the best, everything. But what he does expect for you is for you to give it your very best. When he looks at you, he wants effort. Well, I can't sing and I can't do this and I can't do it. And we disqualify ourselves. It doesn't matter about abilities. What I'm asking you, how much effort are you putting into this? How much are you investing of your own power into this? Who cares if you have any talent or not? That's not the question. The question is, are you giving it your best effort in living for God? Am I giving it everything I can? Because that's what God is looking at. And God is not going to give you more until you learn to give 100% and a great effort in what he's given you right now. When God gives you an opportunity and opens a door, you need to give it 100% of your effort to do the very best you can. And when you do, then the master looked down and said, oh, I look and see his effort, I'll give him more. Because, see, we at times can try to compare ourselves to somebody else and say, I don't have as much talent as he does. No, I'm as talented as she does. That doesn't matter. That doesn't even matter. That's not even in the equation, folks. I've seen people who didn't have a lots of talent. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't know if the church could have done without them. Because they were constantly, what, giving it 100% of effort. They were doing things that other people who had talents were not willing to do and give an effort for. I'm going to tell you what, if God's asked you to do something, you better give it 100% and don't play games because you'll say, that's below me. That's just not what I, you know, that's a little less than what I, I just, but you better give it 100% and a real effort in what you're doing. I know some of you are blowing your mind right now. You can't control the return on your investment, but you can control the amount of effort you give. Those two guys went out and they did what they could with the two and the four talents. They didn't know what the return was going to be. They just gave their very best and gave it their effort. And when the returns got, came back, since they had given their effort, it pleased the master. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! It's good teaching today. Biblical stewardship. Whatsoever thy hand 
Find it to do. Do it with all. There's another one of those words we think we know. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Guess what might denotes? Might denotes intenseness of spirit, vigor of mind, activity and fervency, doing that which is good cheerfully and diligently and not in a negligent, careless manner. That's what that word might means right there. <laughs> Intensity of spirit. What is it? Vigor of mind. What is it saying? I'm giving it a, my best effort. So whatsoever thy hand find to do it, do it what? With your best effort. I got my mind in the game. I got my spirit in the game. I'm excited about it. I'm ready to go. I'm giving 100% of my effort. Not about, look at this. Look at the might. I'm putting on this. This is all power. No. It's about effort. Your head's in the game. You're doing everything you can for the kingdom of God. That's the reason why you find this verse. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy, and with all thy, and with all thy, and with all thy. That is the first commandment. You know what that is? Everything's in the game. I'm giving it 100% effort. My mind, my soul, my spirit, my thinking, my everything, 100% effort is in this. We're going to get into some other things. That's what the devil is, how the devil is destroying the church. It's a division in our minds. We are dividing our passions to the world and to the church. And we're not giving full effort to the church. We're giving too much effort to the world. We're applying too much effort to the things that are temporal instead of the things that are eternal, church. And it's hindering the church revival in us spiritually. We're going to get into this later. And that's the ploy of the enemy, folks, of our soul. Is to get us, whether you have talents, abilities, or whatever you can, he's getting us to back up and give less effort than we should be given to the kingdom of God. If you're on a work crew, you should give it 100%. You know what I just said? Everybody needs to give 100% because you're all on the work crew. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Everybody needs to give it 100%. You should be thankful about this. This is my last slide. Good stewards give it their best effort. Stewards give it their best efforts. Now you can go study all you want to and find out exactly if I told you the truth. But you're going to find out. He wasn't looking at them according to what their little abilities was. He looked at it and said, how much are they willing to invest in the game so I can get a return? Let me put it another way. He was looking to see how hard of workers they was and how much effort they were going to give. If you want to do more for the kingdom of God, give more to the kingdom of God. If you want God to use you more in the kingdom of God, invest more into the kingdom of God. And immediately, stewardship, we're going, money, money. No, I'm talking about more than money. And guess what? Sometimes it's easy to put, easier to put money in the offering plate than it is to give God our time. But stewardship includes talents, abilities, finances, 
the whole kit and caboodle. God wants us to give our very best. Let's stand. Good spirits give it their best effort. God's never going to ask more of you than 100%. <laughs> He's only going to ask 100%. That's it. God wants you to give him everything. We're going to get into finances, and you're going to find out it's amazing. If you really give to God, you're going to find out he will literally overrun you with blessings. And at times you may say, well, man, look, I've not got a million dollars in the bank. But it's so interesting. Sometimes if you get at the end of the month and you try to figure up everything you've got and how much money you've come in and all the bills, you're thinking there's no way to match these two up. And then all of a sudden it matches up. <laughs> how did that happen? It's a God thing. God didn't say any of us going to be rich, but I'm going to tell you what, you go that extra step in giving, you're going to be shocked how God does things. I've been it. Many in this house have been it. Uh, one of the people who just gave to SOC said they gave X amount of dollars and then the Lord just blasted them with so much more than they gave to SOC, just shocked them because they hadn't got anything like that for, I don't know, a couple years and all of a sudden, boom, just, wow. <laughs> He's looking at effort. Now, are you ready? I, I'm, I'm going to quit teaching. But if you look, because this is going to be another lesson, but if you look in that context of that verse we saw where he said, with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, do you know what 10 verses you're going to find 10 verses later? You're going to find this. Jesus sat beside the treasury. 10 verses later, context. And what does he say? He watches everybody come and give their money. And of the woman, he said, she gave more than everybody else. So you don't have to have all the talent or the bank book of talent that other people got, but how much you putting in of your talent. See, she didn't have much, but she was given lots more than all, they, all those other folks was. That's what he said. Context. Look at it. It's all in that same chapter there. Here, I've got to stop teaching. I'm enjoying it. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy learning. I enjoy studying. Hopefully you are too. Let's thank the Lord tonight for his word. God, we are so thankful again, Lord for your goodness, your mercy, and your kindness, Lord, to each and every one of us. Oh, God, thank you for everything you have given to us, Lord. The breath of life, God, strength today, Lord. Everything we have, God, we understand, cometh down from the Father above, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Lord, we know, God, that the breath we breathe, Lord, that the clothes we wear, the food we have, every bit of it is yours, God, that you have given to us. Our job, God, the strength in our bodies to do our job. This great body of believers, Lord, our knowledge that we have of the word of God, wisdom, Lord. Everything comes from you, Lord, and I'm thankful tonight for your blessings, your anointing, and your direction tonight. I pray, God, that you would help us as a church to give, oh Lord, our complete effort to you, Lord. Give ourselves 100% to the work of God that we, Lord Jesus, would truly not be a slothful servant, but we, oh God, would be considered by you to be a faithful servant in all that we do. To you be all glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you've been helped.